0: Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gordon Show. I have a guest with me that is a very fast friend, a very fast new friend who I only met literally, I would say a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago, but definitely within the eight week mark. And his name is Brennan Hopkins. Welcome to the podcast, Brennan.
1: Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I feel like you're basically my fake bestie. And I choose that specifically because We could be best friends, but we haven't known each other
0: long enough. Correct, correct. We only met a couple of weeks ago. We're like, oh, we feel like we were related in the lifetime. Yes, exactly. So the reason I brought Brennan on is because Brennan is a monetization expert that helps brands uncover hidden revenue in their existing operations. He's worked with some incredible brands like Athletic Greens and even Mike Tyson's I Am 21 and has helped clients make over $10 million in revenue. So I met Brennan at an in-person event and I was like, this dude knows some things that I think could really help me. And so I had him do one of his audits on my business. And his promise was, I will help you make or find an extra $500,000 within your current business of like missed opportunity that you haven't already optimized. And I was like, if you can actually do that, I would love for you to do that. And so he has done that and we are implementing some of the coolest new strategies in my business. So Brennan, thank you so much for your genius.
1: Well, thank you. You're too kind. I appreciate that.
0: So for anyone who doesn't know, because I mean, you are a bit of an enigma. Not really so heavily on the Instagrams, which is where all
1: of us hang out on uh, yeah.
0: you know, not that easy to find, Brennan. And and lucky I bumped into you. But for anyone who doesn't know, who is Brennan?
1: Who am I? That is a great question, you know. I ask myself that every day. So I just need to reveal the fact that you and I are drinking bottles right
0: now. You now, We're having a we're having a glass of champagne with this guys, just so you know. That's what best friends do.
1: We do. Also, we may or may not be like an hour into these bubbles. (laughs) Legit. Well, I live just down the road from you. I'm down in Frio and moved here from America about five years ago. I got started in the digital marketing space six and a half-ish years ago. I was working in a call center, actually, and wanted to do more with my life. So I literally Googled how to make money online and... Within five days, had a freelance profile set up. And like nine days later, I think I had my first client for like 60 US dollars. So like 85, 80 <laughs> something And
0: what were you selling?
1: I was writing the website copy for a concrete company nice. in, in like Ohio. Nice. So middle you went of online.
0: online Middle of I yeah. So you went online and you were like, I want to make some money online, be an entrepreneur. How can I make money online? And that came up with copywriting.
1: Yes. But to say that I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur is giving me way too much credit because I was not that. <laughs> I was just like, how can I not work in a call center? <laughs>
0: that was really the question that was asked.
1: No, I wanted to travel, you know, in like I had traveled some, I'd lived abroad. Actually, quite a bit already for about a year of my life at that point, and I wanted to do more of that, and just wasn't rich. So I'm like, okay, how can I still travel? So then my thing was of like, look, I'm probably going to work a forty hour a week job for the rest of my life, anyways. What if I could do that for my laptop? Then at least when I'm not working, I could be in cool places, and so that was kind of like the benchmark. That was my starting point, and then. I did a week's worth of kind of deep dive into all sorts of ways to make money. So turns out I actually have a communications degree, although the specialization is in public speaking, but close enough of an overlap that I was thinking, Hey, I could probably do this copywriting thing. I had already given like 40 something talks at that point. So. I've already done, written stuff, you know, or chatted with people. It probably wouldn't be too hard to translate this to writing. And so, yeah, that's what I did. And that would have been July of 2016.
0: Amazing. And so I sat down for dinner with you, actually, and you kind of explained to me the way that you went from copywriter into monetization expert. And I think that the link there was really cool when I, when kind of reflecting on even the work that you're able to do with me and the audit you're able to provide me, what I saw was that there's a definitive link, right? Between Mm -hmm. your copywriting, your ability to public speak and to generate a response from an audience. Like I think public speaking is such a incredible skill to have because it does allow you to get instant response Mm -hmm. you know whereas like copywriting yeah you still get response but maybe it's not as instant it might take a couple of days or whatever you're able to get that instant response from people and i really think that the reason that you're so good at monetizing audiences and the reason that you are able to do what you do for a living is because you understand the psychology of people Mm -hmm. right which comes down to language and so how did you move from Email marketer, copywriter, and doing really huge things in that space, like working for really big mm-hmm. companies in that space. What made you decide to take the jump into like monetization?
1: Yeah, cool. So I will probably say two things so much because I don't know why, but for some reason, that's the filtering point that my brain starts from and then it branches out from there. Ultimately, business is about people. You know, we kind of have our own ideas or whatever, but. It's ultimately about the people that are giving us their money. And so I'll never forget this moment that I was giving this presentation in one of my units. And if you just, you prepare beforehand and you have like this cool line or whatever, and you're like, oh, this is just gonna sway the audience and people are going to be moved and throwing roses and worshiping. And then I <laughs> come up there and I got to that part. I said the line and just no one cared. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in mid-presentation though. So like, I can't actually stop and do that. I just noted. And then later, I had this random thought that felt kind of like a throwaway comment. And I said it. And people were like falling back in the chairs in the presentation. I was like, what the, What are you talking about? Like, This was a throwaway thought that I had that I figured oh, I might as well mention it. I'm like, this is what you cared about, but you didn't care about this perfectly crafted statement that I worked on that was just the perfect amount of like shock and awe and sexy. And No, they didn't care. And I remember in that moment being like, communication is not about what I want to say, it's about what the other person wants to hear. (laughs) Or maybe let's clarify that and say, it's less about what I want to say and more about what the other person does hear. And that is kind of the foundation of successful businesses, really. You do have some brands that are kind of anomalies, but most successful businesses communicate in a way that the audience can hear them. I like to say like the brand that wins is the one that can get close enough to the human experience. So whoever can speak in a way that aligns most with the day-to-day that I have, they're the ones that I end up giving money to, most of the time. And so that kind of understanding was really pivotal for me because at the heart of business, it's people. So like you just, you add more layers, but it always comes back to the fact that at the end of the day, there's a person on the other end. Like even right now, you and I are chatting, we're having a blast. You know, when this goes live, there will be real people that have lives just like us. Guys, stop, pause your thing, and go get a you know a little sparkling for a minute. But like, they're having the same kind of human experience as us, and that's who we're talking to.
0: Yeah, and I think that that plays out in so many ways in a business. From the fact that you know, when you're creating your pricing, yeah, you need to be able to price in a way that ultimately it long-term is going to hit your financial goals, but also it doesn't matter what you price your product or your service at. What really matters is the value that the client sees in exchange for that price point. And so it flows out everywhere. It's like, okay, when you understand human psychology and when you understand like the way that you do, what people want, what people react to, Mm -hmm. what people are deeply yearning for and searching for, being able to use that, not just in your content, in your email marketing, but also in the gaps And mixed opportunities in your business that you might not have tapped into because you think, you know, this is the way that I do it. So for example, I charge this for my course and this is the reason why we do it. And then there's no other way other than the exact way that I do it. It's like you come into someone's business, you're like, Hey, well, if you just zoom out and you look at these potential ways of changing up what you do to be able to reach people with price objectives, to be able to reach people with time objections, like you're able to then open up your product or service to so many more people and therefore monetize it way easier, right? Yeah.
1: No, 100%. Hey, and this is probably going to get a bit deeper than maybe some people want, but like at the end of the day, we do things the way that we do them because we think they're the best. Like, yeah. Duh. Obviously, I live the way that I live my life because I think it's the best way. Yeah. The reality is it's my way. <laughs> of doing it. And while there's like this beautiful tension between being human that connects me with someone like you or whatever audience member, there's also the distinctness of I am my own person. So just because I see the world this way doesn't mean that everyone will. And Mm. so it's crazy. I didn't mean to get here, but like, man, ego is huge when it comes to business. And so the more that you can separate your sense of self from your business the better success that you'll have the farther that you yeah, go the
0: faster, you'll grow, the faster you'll grow 100% 100% i had to drop my ego a door years ago
1: yeah. And, yeah and that's the reality of the matter and so when we come in or i do a consult for you and what got you to the seven figure mark you know the first million really like i i see basically it's kind of like, eh, you can probably get to first three to 500K. You can just grind your ass off, basically, and get yeah, to there. Just, it's a grind work. It literally work. is. Yeah. From the yeah. 500 to maybe the one point five two 2K range, you've probably dialed in things enough that, you know, it's an easy sell. However, there's probably going to be a cap on what can actually be done, which is what we are talking about mm-hmm. with your business. And so the faster that you can kind of accept that business is not about you and if what you want to achieve are actually what matter most to you, then you'll kind of disassociate your sense of self from what you achieve. You'll go Mm -hmm. farther faster because you can implement insight and advice from other sources. But like it all comes back to what i always harp on like in business and outside of business, we're all still people. And unless you stay really connected to the human experience, it's going to hold you back. So the cool thing is the same thing that you're doing to enable yourself to go farther, you're tapping into to resonate deeper with your audience.
0: Totally. And you connect me with somebody else, and this is the benefit, guys, of networking. Yeah, you connect me to somebody else. Like you guys will notice that we've been putting out way more content, and that content has come from like the concepts and the ideas have come from somebody else, and it's cool because like that content is like what I'm creating that so I can connect with our clients more. You know, I'm mm-hmm. creating a second podcast segment so I can connect with my clients more. It's actually funny the fasting you let go of self and you start focusing on just what do they need. Mm-hmm. The more growth we've had, the faster leads have come in, the quicker our sales have converted just simply because we're being more of service. But the only thing that's going to get in the way of you being of service is is unfortunately the ego. So Brennan, on top of the very deep stuff, let's get tactical because I know my audience love a tactical tip. What if it was a monetizing audiences and when you're doing like this audit, what are the kind of things that you look for? Where do you go where you're like, okay, 90% of businesses are missing this one thing. Yeah, true. What would that one thing be?
1: Well, let's go back to my two things. And this is kind of adopted from Robozy, although I did think it before him, he just put it into words better. There are two ways to make more money, more leads, more sales from your current people, That simple. Yeah, And so with the gist of it, I'm always looking for ways to either get more people to convert all the front end or get more people to buy from you that have already bought from you. Now, my first thing, since it's like 70% easier to sell to a pre-existing customer is to look and see how can we get more of these current customers to purchase from the Mm -hmm. person. And so a lot of times what I'm finding is that there is very little continuity or options within existing business structures to get more money from their current people. So I'm looking for ways, which is like part of the recommendations that we made for you was other continuity options and or other adjacent things that we can sell people that are currently with you that they're maybe not getting or more specific or in the case of, you know, your new $50,000 consulting, um, you know, the opportunity to work more exclusively with you. So that's on the back end. Sorry, I totally didn't answer your question earlier, but coming from like an email marketing background, which is where I ended up in for a long time. That's all about monetization of your existing leads essentially. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to do that. And ultimately, realize that at the end of the day, there has to be some sort of alignment within what you're doing to make more money from people. Because I was thrown into stores. I've worked with like 60 different clients, I think, at this point. So I've worked with a lot of businesses. And you can't sell stuff. And I tried, I got really good at copywriting and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, people don't go to an ice cream store. And buy food for their horse. Like, they don't. But like, a lot of people in just, just, (laughs) you know. And so that's when I realized that, oh, coffee, actually, is a small part of what's happening. It's mostly alignment. And the stepping stones, the pathway that makes sense for the human brain. I call it like mental uh, whiplash. And I think a lot of businesses do that to where they're like, you know, they're here for one reason and then they throw something else up and it's like someone just slammed on the brakes in your brain and you're like, what? That doesn't make sense at all.
0: I see this all the time in brands with like the whiplash where they're, you know, selling something and they sell something completely different because one or two people asked for it. And so there's like this demand that they think is there and then they're constantly backwards and forwards and it confuses their audience because they no longer know. Their audience is now like what am I actually buying for you? What do you actually do for me? You do all of these different things. Yeah. I just want an expert in this one thing. Mm-hmm. Right? And so I really think that like I'm a big believer and I know for my years as well is like being really, really great at one thing. But I think that within that one thing, you can have multiple mm-hmm. steps, uh, multiple buying steps for your customer. So you can have a low ticket offer, like an extra low ticket offer. Oh, you can yeah. have a $10 offer. You can have a $200 offer. You can have a $700 offer. You can have a $3,000 offer. You can have a $24,000 offer. And then like what Brennan does is just you help people connect all of those things or identify where there's opportunities to grow that, right?
1: Yeah. So let's hold that thought in mind and move back. So then on the front end, so I was talking about monetization on the back end. So all of those things help. They also help on the front end though, because essentially you have people that will buy from you and people that will never buy from you. So like stop Mm -hmm. trying to sell to the people that will never buy from you and Give more people the opportunity to buy from you in a way that makes sense for your ascension. Because as I've previously stated, it's 70% easier to sell to existing customers than it is to someone that's new. Also... Yeah, it's like the low hanging fruit. It's so easy. But also there's something to be said from word of mouth is the most powerful form of like brand advocacy. It's the most persuasive and yeah. The easiest way to get a lot of momentum is to overdeliver in a way that people weren't expecting for something that was really accessible. Because at the end of the day, you know, even in the type of mastermind scenario that you're doing, or like assuming that let's just say that we got a lot of people that are operating more in the high-ticket space, obviously, because of your audience, look. Most people aren't going to be able to afford your five or ten k package, however, get enough noise out there, and people will start paying attention to you, which will then allow the right people to get into your orbit that will ascend mm-hmm. essentially into that thing and and that's really what we're after. hopefully this is my last Mosey thing, but like the dude, he preaches about only have high ticket. He's like, be the most expensive. How did he get famous? Through a $1 ebook.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You,
1: you know, like that's how, yeah. because the barrier of entry was so low and the value that he delivered was so astronomical in comparison. Everyone in their freaking mother was talking about this dude. Mm. He didn't get that type of thing because he has a 40k US like mastermind, because no one could afford. Mm. He got that because of a bunch of people talking about his 99 cent ebook. Yeah, uh, he yeah, just I mean, then doesn't now, sell like, them. He just mm-hmm. he won't sell them anything less than whatever 25k. Okay, that's fine. You know, he's got the lead flow for that.
0: I think that that leads me to my next topic, which is I think a lot of people think they need to charge more or create an ascension plan, which means they go high ticket, right? And when we were discussing it, I was like, I'm not that keen on high ticket yet. Like, I think that there's space for it Mm -hmm. for sure, but it's not really my cup of tea at this point in my life, right? Not to say never, Mm because I don't believe in never, but at this exact stage in my life. And so- You were like, okay, cool, but there's the power of the lower ticket offer as well. And so I think a lot of times like coaches and business coaches and mentors will tell small business owners like, you need to just charge more. You just need to go more high ticket. That's a very easy win for people. But I think there's a lot of money to be made in the downsell or in the lower ticket offer. So how can people look at potentially monetizing or how have you seen brands potentially monetize a lower ticket offer
1: in their businesses? Yeah, I have first hand experience for this. So I as a service provider did email marketing for a while and my packages were pretty much at like 2500 US was my starting one. And what did I do? I released a course, like a low ticket course. It started at about 197 US for a while and I didn't have any coaching cuz I didn't want to be a guru I got so many client opportunities from that because everyone was like buying my course, talking about all of a sudden I'm getting tagged and stuff. I still, today, I woke up to a tag. Honestly, I haven't like promoted that course actively in a year probably. But I woke up to a tag about email because of that type of thing. So this is why I love courses or I love low ticket things especially is because I think it solidifies your expertise. And so it's one thing to say that you're really good at this. It's another thing to teach it in a way that people have to give you money because once they mm-hmm. do that, they then associate you with whatever that thing is. So you now become a concrete point of reference for them, which is yep. awesome because like you want that, you want that type of lead, you know, you want that word of mouth, basically that buzz. That's what we're chasing really a lot of times. And I think that. People, they take for granted that like you can't build a business based off of buzz. However, buzz helps you build a business if you have the right things in place. And so assuming you have offers that people actually want, which is a whole other thing, then getting the hype and the buzz is great because you want that noise since a few people will ascend into what you're doing. The other thing is you just have the reality that Most people can't actually afford $5,000 or whatever the thing is. And I think there's a level of authenticity, maybe, to just acknowledging that. Yeah. Like also
0: just like wanting to help people. Yeah, right? like exactly. Yes. Regardless the of budget, there's like that authenticity, there's that value. Like, you know, you get to a point where money's right and that's awesome, but helping people feels better, way better than just making money. And the crazy thing is it needs stopping about making the money. Yeah. You offer a low ticket thing, which ultimately will make you the money, just like Homozy, Yeah, right? With the 99 cent book, because the minute you stop focusing on the money is thing, you just give shitloads of value. Everybody talks about you. Everybody's following you. Mm-hmm. Everyone's sharing your stuff. Everyone wants to tag you and stuff because they feel like what they've paid versus the value they've got, they feel like a level or a need of like, what's it called? Like reciprocity. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. Like they want to reciprocate because they feel this like deep connection to you and they feel like you've given them something that like they don't feel was, you know, an exchange that was fair. And so they'll naturally share your stuff, which will in the end Make you more money.
1: Yes. It's crazy. That's exactly right. And I'm a fan of low ticket in that there is essentially kind of a zone for humans to where we just say yes without having needs to think about things. And like, freak, you tell me, hey, is going to cost $5,000. Who knows how long it'll be before I decide that? Tell me I can spend $97 right now. Psh, done. Like, mm-hmm. it's within my allocated yes budget. I'm interested. There are no barriers to entry, literally, as long as I have the money in my account right now.
0: And the other thing is, like what you said before, which is, right, if someone's already bought from you, the likelihood of them buying from you again is way higher. So if you can get them in at 97 then you might be able to sell them something for 497 Then you might be able to sell them something for two grand, $3,000, four dollars sure. ten grand. right? Like Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know, I don't know it perfectly because I know Frank Kern is someone that you guys look up to a lot and he's found that kind of the opposite. So I obviously there is a level of like, for him, he's found it's more profitable to lead with the high ticket stuff and then downsell. But he's still downselling people. He
0: also makes most of his money on the cheapest offers. He's like, get my bundle of courses for $197. You know, like that's just too crazy to say no to. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, He sells like 7,000 of those versus selling 100 of the high ticket. And so he ends up making more money from the lower ticket yeah. offer than he does with the high ticket offer. And lower ticket offers are less production. like They are. You're not selling at yeah. well. like Higher ticket offers you have to really work for. You yep. have to put in the time. Like It's usually one-to-one components. Whereas low ticket is, you know, here's a couple of videos for you to watch and go do the thing and or a book. And so the time of connection with that person is less.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, so, Ronan, I want to ask you about your own business personally because I think it's really interesting, and I'd love to touch on it before we wrap up today. Um, you don't have a website, as far as I know, or an Instagram, really—that's a business Instagram, or necessarily even a Facebook, I bet, yeah. a business Facebook. Because I, don't even think you, I don't even know what your business name is, right? And the reason for that is obviously Ooh. because you're so good at what you do that you get referrals. Yeah. Yes. And so I would all, you know, you make connections. So tell me, all these incredible jobs, all these incredible people, like you're working with some big time people at the moment, yeah. right? But how are you meeting and falling into place with these networks? Like how are you getting clients that will pay you literally a big money to do the work for them yeah. without having any effectively social proof?
1: Yeah, true. I. <laughs> It's really funny. Technically, I did have a website for a minute, although I never pointed people to it. It was just there, like someone challenged me to kind of create it. I did have a pretty active business social media presence on Facebook for a while before some other life things came in that just pulled me away. um, And I was promoting my course from that. But part of the reason I transitioned out of email marketing was that the main way that you grow in email marketing is by making an agency. And that was too impersonal for me. Like who I am, I care about people. I'm slow to make connections because of how much I care about them. I'm like, this is a real investment for me. (laughs) And I wanted to interact with brands like in that type of way. And so it's funny because I was calculating this last year and I was like, I've had 10 new clients over three years and I had a six-figure business. And that's my retention is that good. And I have clients come back to me with better opportunities. So that's how I ended up with Athletic Greens. I was working for someone. She was doing some cool stuff. But then fast forward two years, you know, I was someone that was a great asset to her. Then we parted ways. Two years later, she's like, hey, I'm working for Athletic Greens. I need some help. Can you help me? And so... I think it's important, first of all, to think about what you actually really want as a person in life. And I see a lot of founders and entrepreneurs like compromise on core values because they want the money. I want to enjoy my real life more than my internet life. That's Mm -hmm. always been my number one priority. And it's cost me quite a bit revenue wise. But it's led to a very fulfilling real life. And because that's been my mentality, it's led to some really awesome opportunities because I'm genuinely just trying to contribute and add value to people's lives to the best of my ability. And there's, like you said, the reciprocity that comes from that and starting Mm -hmm. with that. And so when I launched a course, I launched it at 97 US dollars. And people were freaking losing their minds because I taught them everything that I'd learned over like four-ish years of email marketing and made hundreds of thousands of dollars with. And I was just giving it to them basically for 97 bucks because I was like, five years ago, $97 would have been a stretch for me, to be honest in that phrase. And I was like, I want to equip that kid and as many of those people. And so, yeah, I think there's an intersection between. How much do you actually want to help? And like, how much can you like in in making money is really what it comes down to at the end of the day. And I think there is the reality that when you charge high ticket, you can't help people more because they are more invested. I'm a thousand percent a fan of that. Like, I, I agree wholeheartedly in that type of thing. You can give them more of your attention. That's why I work in large retainer formats myself, because I'm like, look, I don't want to spread my brain across multiple clients. Like, I want to work intimately with you. However, there is the reality of like, at the end of the day, we're still all people that wake up and sometimes they're like, I don't want to do this day. And like, how much are you talking to those people too? Because they're not too different.
0: Yeah, totally. And so with your, I guess, the growth of your own personal business, has it been mostly networks? Or I know that you also have a very personal Facebook profile that has generated you
1: quite a lot of money. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's literally been all... It's all been referral or... I mean, I've been involved in a few things that I've paid to participate that referrals have come from, but that's still all been relationship based. So it's all been either relationship or personality. So I had a podcast for a while that I ran from my Facebook page with live calls and I had my course, you know, that I promoted and just almost exclusively from my Facebook. So like. This isn't large, but just from promoting it on Facebook, we're like $30,000 in sales, basically from my own Facebook page, pretty much, which is kind of cool. And then just being human, it's good. And now someone told 30. me that one time, they're like, you don't even have to be great. You just have to be good. <laughs> but I think what's most important is being true to who you are as much as possible, whilst also sharing how you can help other people. And like I said, I'm in it for the long haul. And look, I could inflate things and Kim Kardashian like body, you know, my way into to opportunities and stuff. But I don't want to burn out, and that's the reality of a lot of people that promote big numbers. But hopefully, people that are in your audience, you're hearing this that once you've been in the industry for a little while, like people crash and burn fast.
0: The average lifespan I've seen has been like between two to five years. Yes. So the first year, you're like, yeah, everything is good. The second year, things are still pretty good. The third year, shit starts to fall apart. Yeah. Fourth year, you're like, hang it on. By the fifth year, you're tired and you're like, I think I should sell. And so if you can last past five years, mm-hmm. honestly, you probably got what it takes to be in it for the long haul, to be completely honest. Yeah. But also, yeah, there is a huge crashing and burn cycle. Like there is a, I think there's a statistic in Australia that says like 78% of businesses will not survive past the first two years.
1: You have to take that into account, you know, with how you operate and with how you do things. And when you can be authentic, the closer that you could be to authentic, the better chance of longevity, I think you have, essentially. So that's kind of what I've done. And uh, opportunities have come, you know, worked for athletic, I worked for my Tyson's brand, Yeah, like things come because of longevity. And so- I connected with you. I had another client. I connected you with like.
0: Yeah. And it's that network effect. And I think that people also aren't utilizing the network effect enough. Like one of my biggest tactics for some of my clients is just network. When was the last time you actually just went and met people? Not network like online. Like that's easy networking. When was the last time you actually met people in person? You actually had a genuine connection with somebody. That's when you find the best networks. And, you know, we met in person a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. ago you connect, you were like, I have someone who I think could help. So we connected online and now we're connecting. And then that person's connected me with more people. And there's this incredible thing that happens when you just meet people in real life and mm. you are who you are. Like what's connected both of us, which has allowed for many more connections, like you're getting on this podcast and like I'm connecting with other people. And there's a beautiful connection thing happens when you meet somebody who you align with energetically and from a values perspective Mm. and you know you're able to help each other and so guys if you haven't mastered the art of networking one you need to read the book how to win friends influence people because it's an incredible book but two you just need to get out there and meet more people and put yourself in more situations where you're going to meet like-minded people Mm -hmm. brennan before we wrap up today i want to know one thing what is email marketing dead
1: no, it is not.
0: Because I hear a little bullshit about this online, if I'm completely honest. I hear a lot of like talk about this online. Email marketing is dead. We should, you know, not be doing it. No one opens their emails anymore. But you're an email marketing expert, so tell me. Yeah. Is
1: email marketing. There's dead? not even enough bubbles left in my glass to handle this situation, but <laughs> and no, email marketing is not dead, okay? It's responsible for anywhere from twenty to thirty percent of revenue for a lot of businesses. Which was one of the conversations we had about pumping up those rookie numbers. But yeah, text, SMS marketing is actually producing better results right now. Fair enough. So I'm not going to, I'm not actually that attached to email marketing that I'm going to die on a hill. It's still one of the highest ROI activities that you can invest in. And this is the thing. This is one of the main reasons why reduction of competition. So if you're in someone's inbox, there's just less noise that there is on social media. Second of all, people intrinsically enter some sort of business framework when they open their email. Whereas when you're on social media, look, we know ads are gonna be there, but it's like watching TV, we're there to be entertained. Mm -hmm. Most people don't open their inbox to be entertained. You know, it's not the same. They're not like Netflix. I mean, pull up Gmail, Netflix. You know, that's not the thing. They're like, what information do I need? What's the deets? What sales are they? Those are the frameworks. And that's a powerful frame of mind to be able to access directly. And you get to do that with email marketing. So I could spew numbers at you, but I think it's more realistic to just say, if you are a brand... You need to have some sort of indoctrination or welcome series. So first of all, you need to try and get people's email addresses, which <coughs> Steph is something I want to see from you. More moving forward, I'm not ashamed to say that on this podcast, but like we you you need to incentivize people to give you their email. And then you need to have an indoctrination series, which a welcome series, whatever, a few days even. First of all, when someone gives you their email address, they're theoretically the hottest they'll ever be as a prospect because they've just shown intent with their action to give you the thing. And ironically, one of the other kind of psychology of persuasion things is when you do something for someone, you're more inclined to do another thing for them. I don't know why the human brain looks like that, but it just does. So that's a reality. That's a great time to make them an initial offer to solidify that deal based off the hype or the commitment that they've just made. And then you need to have at least an abandoned cart series in mind if they show intent, but then don't purchase your thing. And... You need to engage with them if you haven't heard from them in a while. So like 60-ish days, basically. Those are the three things that are most important to Mm -hmm. implement immediately. And you'll see probably a 5% easy boost automatically minimum.
0: (laughs) Totally. And like you said before, like any people who have already bought from you, if you've got other stuff to sell, like why are they (gasps) also buying that? Why are they not sequenced into that? Like all of that stuff. I love it, Brennan. I'm a big believer that email marketing is not dead and it's just a funny conversation I tend to have a lot with clients is, you know, like step, but I hate opening my emails and I'm like, but I can guarantee you as much as you hate getting spammed and as much as you hate opening your emails, you still do it. Yeah. Right. We might delete a heap, but I can guarantee you that at least like one or two days a month, you don't delete all of them mm-hmm. and you do open some of them. And we're not trying to get you to open every single email. Cause that's not what the aim is, but the aim is that Once a month or once every two months or whatever it is, you will open an email and that email might persuade you to take an action that might end up benefiting your business. And so I feel like email is a little bit of a long game as well. It's like not necessarily expecting amazing instant results. Mm -hmm. But like anything in business, nothing good comes easy, right? So I think with email marketing, it's like the more effort you put into it, the more you play around with it, the more you figure it out, the better the result's going to be.
1: I agree that it is a long game. I would push back on that though, because I've created the email sequences that do $50,000 US per month, just off of their new leads, just the new leads.
0: Guys, we are missing out.
1: And so I'm like, you're like, oh, it takes me an average of three to six weeks or whatever to close a client. I'm like, bro, give me the right tools. I bet I could condense that to nine days, maybe even like three to five.
0: And this is the power of email marketing, Yeah, team. This is the power. So, and exactly the reason why I've got Brennan having a look into my business. So Brennan, if somebody does want to find you, yeah. where are they going to find you? Should they, should they add you on Facebook as a friend?
1: Yeah, they just message me on Facebook, add me as a friend. I do check my friend requests. Like I'd check all those things. So no, send me a message because I taught people in the lower level guru way for a while. So I don't necessarily add everyone, but just shoot me a message at yeah, Brennan Hopkins, or you can email me. It's Brennan W, which is my middle initial Hopkins at com.
0: Well, Guys, if you're looking to monetize your business, my advice and Brennan's advice to you and what you should be taking away from today is you don't always have to do high ticket. You can do low ticket. You do need to master the power of email marketing. And last but not least, you need to remember that the person on the other end of this experience is also a human being and that it's actually not about you and it's about providing something of value to them if you've loved today's episode we would love it if you would share it on social media tag us share the love let us know that you have enjoyed today's podcast my dms are always open if you have any questions if you need a connection to brendan just drop in to my dms but otherwise guys go and have a beautiful rest of your day and i will see you next week babe. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz.